Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leveled Up podcast. I'm Megan Johnson. I'm Sarah Flannery. And I'm Danae Osted. So this month in Level Up, we actually had our monthly Zoom call with everybody, and we wrapped up our discussion on extreme focus. So if you want to be involved and talk more about how to find extreme focus in your life, the lies we tell ourselves along the way, and how to line up your steps now every single day with your long-term vision and goals, then stick around and listen to what we chat about on the Leveled Up podcast. Uh, a couple of you guys in the masterminds with us throughout the month. And for those of you who weren't, you know, there's a couple of reasons why we really wanted to focus on the topic of um, extreme focus. And I think that over the last few months, you know, not just for me, but for everybody else, I think it's been a really, um, you know, constant struggle to not get distracted by everything that's going on. So everything I, I open on my Facebook page, it's a disaster. Um, everything on the news is so overwhelming. And so for me, it's really been a struggle over the last few months to take the information I'm give, being given, take the inputs that are, are showing up in my life and actually concentrating that down into something that I can work with and channeling my focus into something that's productive and towards actually what I want instead of, um, you know, just figuring it out kind of as I, as I go along and taking the inputs as, as they're given. So I'm going to take one second here and make sure this actually gets to Megan. Today, if it doesn't, I have it on my computer. I can send it to. Okay. Can you go ahead and do that while I'm chatting here? Yes. Love. Sweet. So, you know, when we're talking about this in general, and I know that, you know, for some of you ladies who were involved in the masterminds with us, you might already have answers to this. But over the last few months, and let's say three or four months, what's an area of your life where you feel like you've been needing to get more focused? And then, you know, kind of as you answer that, what, what stopped you from getting there? Because for me and Megan and Sarah, I'd love to hear from you guys too, since you've both gone through this mastermind as well. You know, where is it that you feel like that focus is lacking? And we've got answers across the board as we were going through this from Anything from, well, I want to spend more time on my phone calls. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to focus on my client interactions or my tracking or my paperwork. You know, we got answers across the board. And so uh, Megan and Sarah, you know, and everybody else who was involved in that too, what is it that you, that you feel like you need more focus on right now? And feel free to shout it out, put it in the chat, but interact here. This is more of a discussion format tonight, you guys. Mine was like personal relationships. Okay. Share a little bit more about that, Sarah. Um, before COVID, I was like so swamped with work and everything. I felt like like my personal relationships with friends or family kind of got pushed to the side. And then when I had more time, I was like, oh, and I would like, you know, during COVID, we would like FaceTime with people I like don't even talk to normally besides texting. I'm like, why don't we do this? normally so now it's kind of trying to put more effort into making sure that i'm calling and facetiming not just because of covid okay i like that yeah build those relationships um and i know that you're doing that besides just business context as well like it, it made me realize how many times i was calling people just because i felt like i should for business and not because you know i just wanted to interact more with those people Let's see, Megan, what came up for you here? 
Sorry, I was um, uploading the document. Um, there, was, uh, there was a lot of stuff because we had to pivot businesses. It really made me think about all the business owners I worked with and everybody had to pivot their business. And it seems to me like everybody just went, I'm going to do everything um, when really the idea behind um, success during this weird time was let's focus on one thing that works really well and just do that. Um, and so for me, it was uh, what came up for me is I really need to focus down on what's really working for me. And, and so I've been going through since we started doing these masterminds, it's been really helpful to hear the same message from Danae like seven times uh, to look and see what am I doing that's working and what am I doing that's not working and get it out. Um, and while that's something that I teach, it was just, I forget about doing it in my own business. And so, um, that's really what I've been doing is where, where does my focus need to be? Um, and where can I just knock that out and get it out of the way? It's a distraction. Okay. So Megan, where do you feel like your focus is right now then after, after going through that conversation, like what did you end up landing on? Yeah, I went back through like all of my lead flow um, over the last week or so, and I realized that my emails really are the center centerpiece of of everything that I do in my business. It's really where I show up the most authentically and 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 tell my story and connect with people, and it actually converts the most. So I um, am I'm doubling back down on that and gonna really focus and make sure that that's happening the way it needs to happen. Okay. No, that definitely makes sense. Um, you know, I want to ask, you know, everybody kind of the same question. So feel free to hop in. And Tammy, I know you mentioned that you were studying for an exam right now. Um, what's, what's uh, hindering your focus, Tammy? You're on mute, girl. I think at first it was kind of just the COVID thing. I had my boys home. I had both my, unexpectedly had my boys back home for a month and a half. And so I wanted to spend time with them. Um, and then it became summer. And then it's the question of, do I, am I just afraid that I'm going to fail? So I don't want to try because I failed twice already. This would be my third time taking it. I didn't fail, fail, but I mean, you know, I didn't make the pass that I needed to. Um, and so now, and then it's, and then I've gotten to the, and I've even asked myself, do I want to do this? Do I want to take this exam? Do I want to go for, you know, the, the next level? So, you know, it's just, I can't, it's, it's just, I am struggling with getting myself to study for it. Yeah, that's, that's totally understandable. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully this conversation will be helpful for you. Thank you for sharing yes. that, Megan. She just uploaded that from the drive. Um, Great. Miranda, I actually want to hear from you because you're going through this crazy like business transformation right now as um, evidenced in your win for the month. So with all of those massive things changing, you know, how, how do you feel going through all that? Because I feel like your, your focus must be a little bit torn between man, what, with all of these things that I could and should be doing, like, where do I focus? So, so talk to us about that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely hit the nail on the head there, but like with all these transitions, I feel like it's really bringing up what I feel like has been my weak point. Like I'm 10 steps ahead of myself constantly. Like I want to be over there when like where I really need to be is here and developing like the basic foundation and like the brainstorming and the ideas and making sure that it's something that I feel good about and connect with instead of just being like, 
oh, well, I'm just going to take on this client. I'm going to do this thing, like take on the side job and do some independent contracting. So it's been a lot of change, but I feel like the message that continues to come through is like, you just have to take it one step at a time, like regardless of how many things are on my plate, like I have to focus on the most foundational thing first and I can build on that. Like nothing is going to happen overnight. And like, that's, there's a lot of overwhelm there, but it's also, I feel like really clarified that message, which has also been really, I feel like very useful and very critical for me. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm a hundred percent sure success society is helping um, with that, thanks to Megan, oh, yeah. who very much helps with the focus element of this. So like when we're having this conversation, you know, I think that besides just finding what you're supposed to be focusing on in the first place, because that's a lesson all, all on its own. I think that when we start talking to ourselves about why it is that we haven't been able to get that already, because if we can recognize, you know, sometimes if we recognize that something in our life needs more focus, like our health for instance, right? Or like one aspect of our business or just our business in general or our kids, or our family, or our relationships. A lot of times we've been able to recognize for a long time that it's something that needs attention. But if we don't get to it, it's usually because of one of these few things. So when we're going this, through this mastermind we talked about, and you can kind of see it in the second part if you have the document open, but he talks about in the one thing, which is part of the, the resources that we used to create this was, I reread the one thing by Gary Keller. And for context, he's the one who founded Keller Williams Realty. And can I just ask how many people have read that book? Like throw it, just give a yes in chat or, or something. I'm just interested to see how many people have read that book. Okay. Solid book. So it looks like not anybody has read it. I highly recommend awesome. it. Yeah. And the whole point of the book is basically narrowing down all of the things that you're doing to the one thing that actually becomes the most important when you're, when you're focusing on what it is that you actually want. So I read it a long time ago. I reread it recently. And there's a few things that really stand out. But the first thing that I really wanted to, to dive in on is that when we're telling ourselves again, you know, why we haven't been able to do this, these are usually the, the things that come up. So, you know, in the book, he talks about, okay, I just have too much that has to be done. Um, or I'll get more done by doing things at the same time. I need to be a more disciplined person. I should be able to do what I want whenever I want. Um, I need more balance in my life or maybe I shouldn't dream too big. So there's all these things that come up, but which are the ones that actually affect you that you tell yourself? And is there any truth to most of those things? So if I'm going to give you, um, you know, those, those six things all over again, the first is everything matters equally right? So everything is urgent and important. Um, the second is multitasking works. I don't know if that's the case. Um, the third is I just need more discipline. And the fourth is willpower is always on will call. What that means is that in this book, he talks about this idea that willpower is actually a really limited resource because we feel like we should just be able to muscle through whatever, even if something is hard for us or it's something we don't want to do, we should just be able to do that whenever anyway. Um, but instead he talks about how it's actually really limited. And so if you have something that you really need willpower for, you really have to allocate when you do those tasks and how, so that you use that when you have it. Um, the five is a balanced life. I just need a better work-life balance. And then the six is that big is big is bad. So by going too big, you know, I'll be losing something else or something else will be taken away. So, um, out of all of those things, 
what do you think affects you guys the most? Which, which of those do you think that you tell yourself the most when you're looking at, okay, here's why I haven't achieved these things so far? Number one, let's see. Number one was everything matters equally. Okay. That makes sense for me. And feel free to hop in on this guys. But for me, I can say that the ones that really made a difference were the discipline one, because, you know, for, for context, for those of you who don't know me, um, I work in financial services and it's a very, um, heavy masculine energy kind of realm. Um, it's male dominated for the most part. And what that means is that there's a lot of pressure towards this hyper productivity kind of mindset. And so when you're living in that world, everybody's trying to figure out over and over and over again, how can I be more productive? How can I get more stuff done? How can I fit more into my day? How can I become a more efficient machine? Because you're basically turning yourself into a machine if that's, if that's the situation. So everybody's getting up at five in the morning and they're, you know, going for a run or doing a high intensity interval workout and then jumping in a frozen river like Tony Robbins does and then meditating for an hour. And like, everybody has this like idea that if they're more disciplined, so if I just had more strength, if I just kept my promises to myself and everything would be perfect and you get the results that you want. For me, what I found that, um, you know, it's a little bit more complicated than that because for the most part, I'm not a lazy person. And I think that most of you guys would probably agree that you're not lazy people, right? You're hardworking, you care about your dreams and your goals, and you work hard towards putting them in place. But sometimes the idea of doing the exact same things every single day and just trying to force or squeeze more out of yourself isn't realistic, right? And when you look at, I think there's this fallacy that comes across in this, like, has anybody seen the meme where it's like, you have the same 24 hours in, in the day as Beyonce? Yes, I've used it. Okay. Okay. It's, it's applicable in some situations, but it's not really true. Because if you right. look at Beyonce's day, right? Um, she's put systems in place, like nannies and chefs and assistants and housekeepers and all of these things in place. So that she doesn't have the same 24 hours as me or you. So for me, instead of focusing on the discipline of, oh, if I just work harder, if I was better, if I was less lazy, then I would already have all of these things in my business and my life would look exactly the way that I want. Instead, I have to ask myself the question of, okay, what systems can I put into place? What processes can I put into place? What people and partners can I put into place? So now, instead of it all being on me, now I have systems that help ensure that success is the easiest option instead of something that I have to push and force over and over and over again. So that's the one that really stands out to me. But who else, who else has something they want to share when it comes to um, what you're telling yourself about focus? You know, I like that you brought that up because um, I was thinking about consistency and how much I'm like laboring on consistency. And one of the things that came up for me going through extreme focus this month and getting focused on what I need to be doing is like, am I consistently doing the things that need to be done? And that's really what you're talking about too, is like, am I, it, it, consistency is terribly important and it can, it can be related to this idea of discipline, right? And doing things consistent. 
But if we're consistently doing the wrong things, like the things that we shouldn't be focused on, you're not you're not going anywhere near towards the direction that you want to go. And so I think maybe now that you're saying it, um, that's really how I evaluated my focus was what am I doing consistently and am I doing the right things consistently? And and I, I've got to walk my talk, man. And so that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um, Sarah, what came up for me with this one? Yeah, I had the, I had three things that kind of really stuck out. I think we were just talking about a discipline life. And when I was with my previous company last year, that was something that they tried to preach over and over and over. And there was some, some good to it. It just didn't float my boat, but number one, everything matters equally. This is something I struggle with all the time. Um, for those that don't know, I do residential mortgages and like everything's on fire most of the time I feel like. And so it's hard to distinguish in my day what gets the right priority and what doesn't. Like what can wait till tomorrow or what can wait, you know, an hour or so. So for me, that is something I struggle with and that takes me off of my focus of whatever either my day's supposed to be. I even find it trickles out into my personal life as well multitasking. Um, I used to pride myself at being really good at it. And it turns out it's not very good at all. You should never do it. <laughs> um, but uh, I found myself in there. And then a balanced life um, is something that really kind of came up because um, I am terrible at this, uh, especially now that we went to work from home at, during COVID. Um, my now husband is gone Monday through Thursday and Monday through Friday. Um, and I'm super extroverted. So during this time, I, all I did was work, right? I didn't work out. I didn't walk. I drank and I worked for like 15 hours a day. And it just kind of lost, like I lost all regular balance that I had when I was going out, going to networking, you know, getting exercise in all of that kind of went way, wayside during COVID. So, um, that's something I feel like, uh, was really affected, um, in this, you know, list of things. Yeah, I think that that definitely makes sense. And I've seen that in you before. Um, just because, you know, you're such a high powered person and you're so insanely productive, but you're the kind of person who everybody wants something from because we know you're responsible and we know that you're productive and we know that you're going to do a good job. So it, it probably, if I were you, I would find it hugely difficult to decipher like, oh shit, I care about all these people. Like, where should I be spending my time um, and stay sane for myself and my new husband and my dog? <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I feel you on that one. So I really like that you use that um, because I want to, you know, as we're transitioning into the next one here, he talked, everything seems equal. We become active and busy, but this doesn't actually move us any closer to success because activity is often unrelated to productivity and busyness rarely takes care of business. So the question that I want to ask you guys is how is busyness showing up in your lives right now? You know, we, we've talked about this in the masterminds, but we've also brought this up on the podcast and also before too. Um, it's pretty obvious to me that a lot of times people tend to wear busy as a badge of honor. And that's definitely something that I've done myself, um, whether consciously or unconsciously. You know, sometimes I, I feel like I'm getting into a contest when I'm talking to somebody and I say, oh, hey, how's it going? How are you? And they'll say, oh, I'm busy. I'm just so busy with 
with this and with this and with this. And they're like, oh yeah, me too. I'm also busy, but here's how I'm slightly more busy than you because I also have this and this and this, right? And so by the end of it, we're in this like really shitty competition where we both just lose because it sounds like neither one of us are in control of our lives. So when we're looking at busy, instead of looking at it as something that we're proud of because it feels like we're doing something, I like to have people think of the idea and myself as well of exploring the idea of being productive and being effective because I think that there's this idea that we have to have an absolutely packed at least 40 hour work week and be on top of everything outside of that. And in reality, especially for small business owners or entrepreneurs or wherever you fit within that spectrum, a lot of times it doesn't really look like that. A lot of the times we're working a few appointments in the afternoon, but we're taking our free time in the mornings because we have to work in the evenings because of what our situation is. Or, you know, for me, I work Saturday mornings because I'm training a team of advisors and that's when everybody is available for training. And so I'll take that if it means that I can take off another morning or more evenings during the week. So for you guys, how do you feel about being busy? How does this, this show up for you? I kind of have learned how to not just be busy thanks to COVID because I mean like the first few months I was like super busy taking care of canceling everything and then there was nothing and I was like well I should be sitting on my computer all day doing something and then so I mean I have projects and stuff I could do but I would just take the afternoons and like read and sit outside I'm like I don't have to be sitting at my computer staring doing something like you don't I don't have to be busy so that's been a nice adjustment okay one thing that came up like this was my big thing right and one thing that came up across all the masterminds was this idea about like how I was raised and it definitely was this way for me my dad if he got home my dad worked uh, night shift and he, he got home at 7 a.m. and I was still in bed over the summers, he would drag me out by my ankle. Like it was like, you always need to be up and doing something. And so you would just like fake being busy. And so like this weird thing happened within, within me that was, that was, if I'm not busy, I'm not good. Or if I'm not being busy, I'm bad, which is worse. Like it's harder to hear. And so I internalized that. Um, and I use the same thing with lateness. Like if I'm late, I'm a bad human. And so I'm like this crazy on like, oh, it drives me crazy being late. And I mean to people if I'm going to be late, if I think I might be late, like in three days, I'm a jerk about it. Um, and it's the same thing with busy. Um, I just was raised with this idea that you constantly need to be doing something. And the way it showed up in my life, in my adult life, wasn't healthy just the way Sarah explained, like we can, we can be extraordinarily productive and not busy all the time because there's a lot of, a lot happening when you're not doing. There's a lot happening in the rest. There's a lot happening in the recovery. There's a lot happening um, when you're not busy, right? And so I was wondering um, if this is something that you guys dealt with too, because it came up in every one of our masterminds. Yeah, I think- Have you guys- has a lot ahead, of there's a lot of guilt associated with like busyness and not busyness especially if you do work more of an alternative uh schedule because like Danae said maybe you're 
you know, your mornings are more your free time instead of your evenings. And then you're thinking, oh my, well, it's 10 a.m. and I'm just sitting here. Like, I, you know, and maybe that's the time when you have a chance to watch an episode of Netflix if it's not the evening, but it's like, you just get this guilt to it. Yeah, I think that along those lines specifically, so has anybody read Untamed by Glennon Doyle? Not yet. Okay, it's pretty good, but one of the things that she talks about is how, so she's married to Abby Wambach, like U.S. women's national team, Abby Wambach, and she talks about how whenever she's home during the middle of the day and Abby's like sitting on the couch not doing anything, just watching TV or chilling, then she has this weird resentment towards her because she's sitting and being unproductive instead of waiting until the family sanctioned do nothing time whenever the evening is, right? Um, and so she just talks about how she's just like doing chores or being productive like at her, like in her general vicinity, like kind of huffing around and like, you know, like making it very obvious that she's doing work and she isn't. But then she came in one day and she realized that as soon as she walked in the door that Abby would basically like turn off the TV, like stand up and like walk away like she was doing something wrong. And, you know, recognizing that somebody is uncomfortable for no reason, that story really stuck with me because like Megan, I mean, my dad, when he would get home in the afternoon or in the evening if we were just like sitting there not doing anything, he would talk about how messy the house was or why isn't dinner done or why haven't these dishes been put away. And I think my mom, cause she homeschooled all of us. So she dealt with the same thing whenever he would come home. And it really put me in a position now where as an adult, even though I work weird hours, I don't have a nine to five. I haven't had a nine to five since I was 19 years old. Like I feel like if Cameron comes in and I'm not doing something, then I should be ashamed of myself. Like I should be productive. And there's this crazy idea that we have that production is tied to worthiness. Like if you're doing something, if you're producing, if you're moving, like then you're doing what you're supposed to. And that people don't inherently have worth unless they're moving and putting something into practice. And that's a wild thought because I don't know who told us that. Like, I don't know why that's the case. I don't know why that's, that's this universal truth that we feel. I don't know if it's because there's this standard 40 hour work week, but my life so rarely actually looks like that. And so releasing some of the guilt that comes from not being busy is a process. So thank you for talking about that, Haley, because I, I recognize that too. And Megan, you as well. Which is exactly, like, it's, it's funny, you, we talk about these things, and they all feed in together, because this feeds into work-life balance as well, and these are all surrounded around focus, so if you need to have more balance, where you're not spending all of your time trying to be busy for your job or for your business, or whatever it is, and you need to have more balance in, in things that um, support you mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually, and, and your physical body, and all these things that support you in this way, um, you're going to, and so if you could be more focused in your productive time for your work, you can have more time to create more balance for your entire life um, and not pit them against each other saying, oh, I have to spend all of my productive time in money-making activities versus I can also spend productive time in activities that make me whole as a human 
so that I can be more productive in this money-making activity in this round and round world that we live in cycle. Yeah. There's also this, this thing that we don't really talk about very much, I think in the world of business, but we definitely should. And it's called the law of diminishing returns. Does anybody remember that from economics? Okay. So the law of diminishing return basically says that for some things, um, the more you have it, the less enjoyable it is. Okay. Or the less results you're going to get. So think of it this way. Like the example that I learned from was, um, candy bars, right? So if you have, let's say one, one piece of chocolate, like the first piece of chocolate is super enjoyable and it's great and you feel really good about it. And so the returns are really, really high. But let's talk about if you had a second piece of chocolate. Okay, like might still be pretty good. I'm happy about it. Like I enjoy it, but maybe the return is slightly lower. So the third piece of chocolate, now you're like, okay, like that was good, but I probably don't need any more. So the fourth piece of chocolate, you're like, ah, uh, that was, that was all right, but like I'm starting to feel pretty full. The fifth, you're actively saying, all right, that was too much chocolate. Now I feel bad about it. And so for the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth piece of chocolate, you're not getting nearly the returns that you were for that first one, right? And sometimes for things like business, if for me, right, if I have three to let's say two to three solid appointments on my calendar. I feel good. I got all of the work done around them. I had enough time to follow up. I had enough time to breathe. I had enough time to get myself food, to exercise, to take care of myself, to do all of the follow-up necessary. When I get to five or six appointments, the quality of the appointment goes way down because I'm not giving myself time to recover um, either mentally or physically. I probably don't have enough time to work out at that point, or at least not at the time that I would like to. I probably don't have time to feed myself or to do all of the admin and paperwork that needs to come in between there. So if I hit more than that, let's say if I hit seven or 10 appointments during a day, the quality of everything that I'm doing, the enjoyment that I feel about it, my confidence around those things goes down and down and down and down. So for me, the, um, the diminishing returns of over-scheduling myself and staying busy, 100% isn't worth it. So um, does anybody identify with that? Because that's just how it shows up for me, but I, I can't speak for everybody else. I noticed that if I'm trying to do a better job of, instead of just writing a list of things to do, in the day, putting down the things that I need to do and when I'm going to do them and trying to stick with that. Um, I'm trying to consciously put margins in between those things because they always take longer than when I, what I think they're going to. Mm -hmm. And then if I um, don't do them, then I feel guilty or I feel like I, I hear I had this great plan, but I didn't follow through. And so um, that's where I'm just trying to learn is that balance on trying not to overbook myself, but yet follow the, follow the good plan that I had, but just making sure that I have enough downtime that I'm not over, over trying to um, overdo what I'm capable of doing in a day. So that's what I've been trying to do, but that's, that's a work in progress. So Oh yeah. I don't think it'll ever not be a work in progress. Yeah. Um, Tanya, did you have something you want to say about that? 
Yeah, so along the lines of um, the diminishing returns, and so networking is huge to what I do, right? I'm a death doula and a celebrant and a home funeral guide, and people don't even know what that is. So being in front of people and telling them all the things that I have to offer and really being an advocate in that space is exhausting because I'm constantly talking about death and dying and people are comfortable then telling me their story. So I don't just sit down and have a cup of coffee with somebody. I get to hear about their dead husband, their dead grandma, their dead child, their dead dog, all these things at once. So if I have six networking appointments in one day, not only am I talking about my experience and how I got to where I am, which is personal loss and death, but then they're dumping their stuff on me too. And I'm looking at the clock like, well, I gotta go. You're gonna be okay. Like we like I'm not a therapist, I'm not your therapist, right? And so I have to be very careful about how much I how many networking appointments I have through the week. It, how much space I give myself in between those and what kind of groups I join because inevitably if I go to a networking I've never been to before I'll have a couple people reach out and be like oh my god I want to hear more and that that's my bread and butter like I have to do that people don't get what I do unless I'm actually taking those hours to sit down with them but I have to, to space it out and I'll try to cram as much in as I can in one time. I was going to mention earlier, have any of you seen the Lucille Ball, um, I Love Lucy episode with the conveyor belt and the chocolate, right? Yeah. So that's like all my life right now. So I'm getting ready to close on a home. Um, you know, I've got a full-time job at a hospital. I run my business. I do all these things. And I have all these little pieces, even like, oh, I need to get an estimate for the fence that we're going to need to have put in and all these little pieces. And I feel like if I'm not getting to them fast enough that the conveyor belt's just moving and everything's getting away from me and I'm like shoving stuff, like hiding it in places to, yeah, shoving it down <laughs> my shirt to like hold on to it and like, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so it's just like chaos and it's like, how do, like, where's the off button? Like, can I just turn the belt off? But it, it just keeps coming. So yeah, definitely tricky when you've got all the things in all the places and trying to pick and choose like, okay, what do I have the capacity for right now? <laughs> and what really matters in this moment? Yeah, this is such an important thing to say. I love that you brought this up. And I deal with the same thing. I'm like very emotionally porous. And so if I have like, people call me the cry lady, I make people cry all the time. Like it just happens because there's people are going through stuff and it's hard, you know, so I, I get it not same level, but I get it. Um, and uh, so I'd love to swap stories with you on how I control my energy and how I protect myself so that I can show up for my next client as well as I showed up for my last client. That's really important to me. Um, but like, this is such an excellent story on why focus is incredibly important because everybody on this call, everybody that Danae and Sarah and I deal with all the time, like you've got to show up to be your best. And so if we're not focusing our time and energy on those things that we need to do, not just professionally, but personally, so that we can show up that way, you are wasting your time and you are spending time in places that you don't need to be. So thank you, Tanya, for bringing that up. And you've inspired me. I'm going to now write a blog on that tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I really like that you, that you shared that piece specifically. Um, there was another meme going around for a little bit that I thought was so helpful. And it was the one talking about how, you know, everybody feels like we have all of these things up in the air and it's work, family, you know, your, your relationships, your business, whatever it is. And it was this lady who was talking about how she's always juggling all of these balls in the air, but some are work and some are family. 
but some of the balls she's juggling are rubber and some of them are glass, but you have to know which ones that you can drop at any given point. Because dropping a ball isn't always a bad thing, but you have to know which ones can take it and which ones are breakable, right? So maybe a work thing is, well, you can't neglect, you know, your biggest presentation of the year or quarterly accounting reports, but you can drop, you know, um, you don't have to be at every appointment. You can reschedule something if you need to, right? Or maybe a family one is, okay, well, maybe I don't have to be home an hour before dinner starts every night. I don't have to make a homemade dinner, but if my, whatever, my daughter has a dance recital and that's super important to us, then I'm always going to make sure that that's a priority and a ball that I don't drop. So um, I'm sure you could Google the meme and it's better than how I just explained it, but that's a thought that's always helped me too. So, you know, in part of that specific conversation, because the idea of work-life balance, we've talked about it before, it's kind of not real because the idea of work-life balance, I think, has everybody in this perfect proportion of well, my work is always here, my relationships are always here, and that's how everything is supposed to be, is that everything is balanced and equal and perfect, and that's kind of unrealistic, because when we're going through different seasons of our lives, different things require focus. So for Sarah right now, right over the last couple of months, I don't feel like she had any sort of work-life balance, but it's a season that isn't going to last forever. So she knows with the refis going on, she has to spend more time on that. She was getting married during a pandemic, so she had to deal with that too. But I think she can also recognize that season doesn't last forever. You know, for, for us, yeah, forever. <laughs> exactly. But like for, for us, I mean, I remember coming to Megan in January because not out of nowhere, but kind of out of nowhere, we all of a sudden had this insane amount of appointments on the board. Cameron had gone to do some sort of class in Texas. And so instead of doing the, let's see, six financial strategies that we usually do each week or six new clients a week, which is about our benchmark, that's where we want to be sitting. Instead, we had like 60 clients within two weeks. They were all brand new. They all required a ton of attention. And knowing that that was going to be a season of our life where we really had to put some focus in, I prepared, but I also made sure I was okay with not cooking dinner every single night and maybe only going on a 20 minute walk instead of going on an hour walk, because that's something that has to happen, but I know it's not going to last forever. So one of the quotes that he talks about in the, not, not the one thing, but the 12 week year, which is a book that I also highly recommend. It's not the most quotable book because it's literally just about systems. Um, it's mainly about, hey, here's this exact system to set goals and to achieve them. Here's all of the technical processes stuff along the way. But he does say in the book, there's no such thing as work-life balance. There are work-life choices and you make them and they have consequences. So along those lines, what are some of the work-life choices that you guys are making right now? Um, I've made the choice to just put work on the burner for this time and just totally devote a ton of time into personal development mm -hmm. um, because I had the opportunity with unemployment benefits where, you know, it's actually the perfect time because you're not feeling the, the need to be productive for money, you know, when, mm -hmm. when that is already there. So a uh, very conscious choice. And I think it's, it's really paid off at, you know, some points where if you focus on one thing more intensely for a while, you are going to get benefits out of it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Tanya, you unmuted yourself. 
So I normally do a booth at the Hearst Convention slash Morbid Curiosities Expo because what better place to talk to people about having a dead body in your home than people who want to buy like taxidermy and stuff. Like they're a really easy group to, to broach this conversation with. It's been postponed once this year. I already paid for my booth early this year. Now it's supposed to be August 15th. I don't think it's going to happen. It may or may not happen. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath, but we, our closing was moved up. Blah, 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 blah. I'm strongly considering not going to the events because I don't know what I'm going to, if I'm going to want, usually I have interactive stuff on my table and people touch stuff and get engaged COVID like probably not going to have any of that. Um, so deciding like, is it even worth it for me to take the time and the energy to figure out in a couple weeks, if the event's even going to happen to have a booth at this place where mostly I just talk to people or do I want to just like focus on moving into my new house that weekend? Um, so I haven't made the choice yet, but it's a big one that I, that I have to make and I'm probably going to just not have a booth this year. Well, if there is one year to not have a booth, maybe this is the one. <laughs> so I, I feel, yeah, I think either one of those choices would probably be great if we're being honest. So I'll, I'll say that, you know, I want to hear even more specifically because here's, here are the ones that I'm making right now. And I thought about this, so I wrote them down. So here are the work five choices I'm making. The first is because I went through a huge hormone crash over the last month after taking my birth control out. Um, I have made the choice to reschedule appointments if I am physically having a hard time. So that's a big one. Or uh, Self-care is number one right now. Um, and then spending money on therapy, because again, self-care is number one right now. So even though I could be saving more money, um, by not paying whatever a hundred something dollars an hour to go to therapy. Um, it's something that for baseline me, like it's gotta happen, non-negotiable at this point. Um, the other thing I'm doing is prioritizing exercise. So working out in the morning over spending time on my hair and makeup. So that means that I'm showing up with mascara and wavy hair most of the time per today. Um, but that means that I also get to exercise more often, which sets me up for, for success the rest of the time altogether. Um, and then because the consequences that I don't want, the work-life consequences that I'm either looking for or avoiding, the consequences in the positive way are hopefully, you know, success, that I'm enjoying my business, that I'm involved and engaged and excited about it, and I have energy to do things instead of feeling uh, burned out. Um, cause the consequences I'm avoiding are burnout and depression, which is when I go overboard, when I don't focus on what's actually important, those are the consequences that I get. So those are the big ones that I'm doing for me right now. Um, I know at least Megan and Sarah, but the rest of you guys as well, you know, what are the choices that you're making at this point for, for yourself, for your work-life consequences? One thing I'm trying to work on is when I do make a schedule, I, I tend to, change my own schedule for other people constantly, whether it's my kids or my husband or friends that just unexpectedly call me and say, Oh, you want to go do this? Let's go do this. And I, I just drop what my plans were to, to do, to do whatever for those other people. And so that's one thing I'm working on right now. Um, my sister-in-law has five children. I only had two. She had five children and she has five children. And she says, I schedule my day. I schedule when I'm going to exercise. I schedule when I'm going to do my morning devotions. I schedule. And if somebody says, hey, can you do this 
for me, I say, um, let me check my schedule. Um, well, no, I can't do it this time, but I do have time from here to here. Well, that doesn't work for me. Well, I'm so sorry for you. You know, you're going to have to make other arrangements. You're going to have to find a different way to get there or do this or whatever. And she's so good at that. That's why she can handle five children. And so I'm just trying to learn from that a little bit. Thank you. That was, that was helpful. So that's something I yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Tammy, because I think that that's a choice in favor of yourself mm -hmm. and not in favor of what everybody else needs from you. It's right. sometimes a really difficult choice, especially I'll say too, and I don't know if you felt this transition yet for yourself, but saying no to appointments um, or potential business because it doesn't fit around your personal boundaries is difficult but once you can do it it makes what you do get a lot better <laughs> right mm -hmm. the people respect you and your time and right and things like that so i'm glad that you're um i'm glad that you're you're already kind of tuned into that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the other thing i was gonna say here that i've learned from and you know today's a great example of this but i learned watching a lot of people including myself is what the choices that you make today um the work-life choices and all of that that you make today is going to affect you for a while like it depends on your life but it's not just going to affect you right now and um so definitely we use Danae as an example because she's an open book and lets us do it um the choices she makes around her wellness today is going to affect her for the next three months it really is so she she needs to make decisions for herself today and we all do today for how well do I need to show up for, for my family and for my life and for my business over the next three months. And so we can't just be selfish with the decisions for now. We need to understand that the decisions for now are impacting the decisions for later. Um, and that's, I, I think that's really what um, this pulls out for me is these decisions aren't just momentary decisions. These are season decisions. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that really leads into kind of the next point going through this. So I'm going to share this with you guys um, because he also uses this quote of the 12-week year and it says, all my life I wanted to be somebody. Now I see I should have been more specific. So when you're looking at your work-life consequences and your work-life choices, sometimes it's an immediate, okay, well, I need more of this in my life right now, so I'm going to make this choice that leads to this consequence. But when you're looking at your life as a whole, you can take those same tactics and put them to use. So when I looked at this quote, what I really thought of was, if I know what I want for my five-year plan or for my 10-year plan, so for me, let's say, let's say five years. So if in five years, I wanna be to the point where I have an awesome business that's completely referral based, which means I don't want to be out networking at all unless it's level up or, you know, other things where it's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, I want to have a bunch of independent advisors that I've trained so that they can handle situations on their own so that I can send business their way and know they're going to do a really good job with it. 
Um, I'm going to be at a certain income threshold so that I never have to worry about money ever again. But I also have a schedule where I don't have to be involved in everything that my, that, that my business has going on. If I want to travel for a couple months, I want to be able to do that. If I want to spend time with my nephews, I want to be able to do that. If I want to open other businesses or spend time on my hobbies or my interests, or if I just want to read for a few months, I want to be able to do those things, which means that if I'm dialing that back to, okay, that's my five years, that's what that looks like. And those are the key components of the vision that I have, then how do I dial that back to, okay, now these are the actions that I need to take today to start building that life five years in advance. So the best example of this in my book, just from my personal experience, is that there's another advisor in my office and she's amazing. She works her butt off. She makes a ton of money, but because of the way her business is set up, she is there from seven or eight in the morning until sometimes 11 or 12 at night. And when I look at that, if I was to model my business after hers, so if I was to set appointments the same way, train my team the same way, then there's a pretty strong chance that in five years, or 10 years, my life and my business would look a lot like hers. So knowing that that isn't what I want, I'm making big changes right now, like spending the bulk of my time. If I was going to tell you what my one focus is right now, I really have two within my business. The first is putting solid training programs in place and helping develop the people that I'm training into people who can train and become leaders themselves. That's my number one focus. And my second focus is tracking because I get paid more often when I actually follow up with my clients and my product providers. Who would have, who would have known that's the case? Um, but if, those, if I do those two things and the rest of the stuff just kind of happens, but it's not something that I spend all of my time and energy on, that means that I get paid quickly and I get my team paid quickly and they're independent more quickly so that not everything has to be on me. So that was a really long explanation for taking vision and dialing it back to components. So if you guys were looking at your five-year vision for your day in the life, what does that look like? So what are those key components? And if you want to just give me one or two, go for it. But I want to hear them from you guys. Um, I want to be exercising every day for, you know, like an hour, making sure there's time outside, um, not working overtime, things like that. Definitely prioritizing uh, time that I, I choose how to send it that's more on the personal side. Okay. Sweet. I like that. So if we were going to dial that back then, so what's one thing that you could do now to make sure that that's going to be the case long-term? I think right now, cause I'm, I'm job searching right now. I think it would be being smart with the opportunities that I'm looking at and looking at the organizations that I see as potential employers to see what their values are and what, you know, I can, so I don't just feel like I have to jump into any job just because it's there, even though that job might lead me down the, you know, overworked path. Okay. No, that makes sense. Thank you for, for sharing that. Who else has a, has a five-year vision that they think they could probably work towards now? 
Thanks, Jessica. What about Sarah and Megan? Because I know that you guys are pretty keyed into your vision here. We talked about this the other night. Uh, I'm in like a super growth mode right now. Uh, now that I can actually not be in school full time. Yay. Um, so uh, my growth mode right now is figuring out what works and scaling the offering. So I'm part of the reason I connected so much with Miranda is she's in that same spot. Like what are the what are the things that I can offer and how can I grow my business in, in a specific way of offering that uh, makes sense and doesn't create a terrible life? Like, how, how do I do that in that way? So that's really my focus right now. And uh, which is why I had to go back and look and see what is everything that I'm doing and how do I, how do I get focused on what I should be doing, not just everything that I am doing. Um, and then replicating that across um, things that I want to do. So that looks for me um, like one day and two day offerings versus the weekly or monthly offerings that I have now, um, in addition to uh, reviving some of the classes and workshops that I have because I know they work. So um, staying super, super focused on what I love doing that attracts the clients that I love working with um, and also gives me the flexibility to say like, uh, you guys all know I have fuck off Fridays. Like, I don't want to work on Friday afternoons. Like, it's fuck off Friday. Like, I'm going to work Friday morning and then off. Like, and so that's, I want to do all the things that still allow me to do that. So I can crush it, you know, Monday through Thursday, Friday, 10 a.m. ish, and then do that. And so that's really what I'm focused on. Awesome. Sarah, what do you think? Mine's a little, I would say a little bit more personal um than anything else so um i will be the first to admit that i have a i don't want to call it a weird relationship with money but like i have a lot of fear in regards to not having it because i started off my business and not having any money for almost two years and i'm i'm coming ahead of it now um so what that has is something that causes a lot of discomfort for me. Um, and sorry, my puppy just walked in. I hope he doesn't bark, but he may. Um, but that in general, sitting with discomfort um, in regards to money, in regards to stuff personally on how actually things make me feel, work, um, and along, along the lines with Danae, you know, we both come from a very masculine energy work environment. It's you work your ass off, you work 15 hour days, it doesn't matter, this is what you do and you just capitalize and you make all the money in the world. And I've been having a lot of different thoughts about that where maybe my threshold is not $500,000 a year or $400,000 a year. Maybe my comfort level for where I want me and my now husband and our potential family to be is $250,000 a year. Just I'm just picking arbitrary numbers guys. These are not just, mm -hmm. you know, but that means that my, my work, like I have to be able to sit with that, like, okay, I have to deal with that relationship with money. But now too, I'm sitting with more ability to, to not have to be at my computer 15 hours a day to take that time to actually be with the people that matter and enjoying the actual life that I'm living instead of just working through it. Um, and that does bring me a lot of discomfort because I've always been, I've got it taken care of. I've got to be able to do it myself. Um, you know, and now I've entered this, I've been in this partnership for four years now, but I've entered it legally. Um, and you know, we're trying to figure out my, 
My husband can sit outside for hours, this weekend in particular. He was sitting outside watching TV on his phone, enjoying the nice weather, and he could do that for four hours. And I'm like, you know, Abby Wambach's wife, where I'm like, we need to do the dishes, we need to do this, we need to do this, and it's my time off, right? This is my actual one day where I don't have to be sitting in front of my damn computer doing anything. And so that is something that I am working through and that I'm really focused on right now. Um, and it's really hard. It's actually hard as shit. Cause I don't like feeling that kind of weird, anxious, kind of like, I'm out of my comfort zone here. I'm just going to go back to what I know works. doesn't necessarily feel good, but I know that it works and it'll keep pushing me through. Um, so I labeled it as sitting with discomfort is my focus right now, but there's a lot of different elements for a lot of different fa uh, facets for me with it. I, thank you for for sharing that, Sarah, because I can I can see just from like being a part of your life that that's like about where you're at, and like maybe for you the conversation, you know, doesn't need to be you know this is my threshold period, but you know when we're talking with like Megan's the expert at this, but okay, this is my threshold of what I can do on my own. So then the conversation is okay if I want to do more, how can I do that and not go insane. So maybe it's, okay, well, I need a licensed assistant at some point who can help me with some of this stuff, or I need to bring another loan officer on who I can share my, my workload with, or whatever. I need a housekeeper, or I need somebody to do my meals, or you know, I need to make some of my income through investment real estate instead of you know, specifically just slinging loans, or you know, whatever that looks like. I think that you're ready probably after this whirlwind of a year, I think you're probably going to be ready for a higher level like okay, but what comes next type, type conversation. So I'm excited for that because I think you're coming to a, like a huge realization right now. Um, and Tanya, thank you for sharing that as, as well. I think that's a lot in line about, you know, what Sarah's talking about too, because like when you're expanding, it's so hard to be like, but this was just me and this was my baby. And now I have to trust somebody else with this. Um, and there comes a lot of like learning curve when it comes to just putting systems in place for somebody else to take over and do things effectively. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's a lot of learning to do. So, so thank you for sharing that. So, you know, when we're having the, the rest of this conversation that I want to finish out when it comes to your key components of your ideal life, my biggest question is, do you have anybody in your life who can model those things for you? Because if you're a specific kind of person who wants to work in a specific kind of way, a lot of times if you don't have any person or any business or any idea of what you're trying to model your business and your life after, sometimes it's hard to visualize those things on your own. So for me, one of the biggest struggles that I had in my business was that I have these really, really large goals when it comes to money, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to all of these different things. And I know that I can achieve all of them, but the road is unclear. It's not like if I, okay, if I do this and this, then I'll, I'll get to whatever, 250 and then 500. And then like, it's not always that clear. I know the actions that I have to do, which is basically just a continuation of what I'm already doing just at a higher level. But within my firm and with my specific office in particular, there's four men within my office who make over a million dollars a year. And there are plenty of women within my firm, but not my office. So the larger company as a whole who are really high producing, who do have those kind of businesses, but they're not people I have personal connections with. So when I'm looking at the women who are ahead of me, 
you know, I'm thankful that I have a few examples of people who are kind of in between here and there. But for sometimes, if I don't have the right model for me to latch onto and see certain things, then I have to go find that in other places. So that's been a really good experience for me because I can confidently say, okay, if this isn't something that I have in place already, then I'll be the one to model that for other people, which isn't always the easiest track of doing that, but it's something that you can do. So do you guys have role models in place for, for the things that you're aiming for, for the lives that you're looking to build? Do you guys have any of those? What, Megan? I saw you, I saw you say my name. I'm like, what? <laughs> you totally do. You know you do. Me? Yeah. I was like, uh... <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you do. And I would totally well, tell like, And I think I saw Sarah Key shaking her head, too, in the no, no phase as well. Was that a yes? Did I see you shaking your head, Sarah? Yeah. Um, I think this is incredibly important and Danae's absolutely right, but you can piece together. It can be like a Frankenstein role model. Like you don't have to have one person that encompasses everything that you want in your life. You mm -hmm. can have one person that does something extraordinarily well. And then you could have, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to take this and leave these other parts of their, the way they operate and then find somebody else that, that operates in another area in a way that you want. And so that's really how I kind of did it moving through my life was mentors were incredibly important to me. And sometimes I was bold as shit and would walk up and be like, you, I know you don't know me very well, but I really think you should mentor me. And here's why I matter. Like, here's why, because I'm cool, I'm smart, I'm capable, and I make great cookies. I literally bought off one mentor by cookies. I bring him cookies every week when I still work for Lockheed Martin. And I'd sit down and be like, here's your cookies, Colonel, blah, blah, blah. Teach me everything I want to learn. Um, and so I think it's just the boldness for me in finding those mentors um, and learning from them. And it's okay if you don't have it worked out perfectly. Today, my mentors are, um, are piecemeal. They're, they're Frankenstein. So there's certain things that I, I look at and, and love the way um, people, people are moved by a certain person, but I would never create an event the way that person does it. And I love the way another person writes. Like I have this huge desire to be a good writer and I'm not, and I'd love to be. And so I, I read their stuff, but I don't like their message. Um, so don't, it doesn't have to be all, one person, I guess is my whole extraordinarily long-winded thing. That's not extraordinarily long-winded, first of all. Um, so I, I like that Megan. I think that I've, I've found pieces of that with different people and even people, you know, when you're looking at mentorship, especially if you're only trying to take pieces of what people are doing to see what fits in your life, they don't necessarily have to be people who are light years ahead of you. Because I can tell you that just by being a part of level up, um, and the other, you know, women's groups that I've been a part of and the other, you know, role models and peers that I have in my life, there are things that I take away from almost everybody, you know, the way that, you know, my, my partner and, and boyfriend, Cameron, right? I love the way that he does some things and he likes the way that I do some things. And then everything else we do completely separately in completely different ways. So you can take elements from, from anybody when it comes to, you know, what it is that you're trying to build. So thank you for that, Megan. So the, the last point that I want to make here, 
you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, career goals and, and what's important and what's not. So when you're trying to narrow your focus, I, I read a book a while ago called Grit um, by Angela Duckworth. And um, if you've read the book, great. Um, it's not super, um, let, me, let me think how to say it. It's not super touchy-feely. Like grit is about the part of yourself that makes you successful because it just doesn't give up. So it's very data focused. It's very much like, hey, here is all of the Marines who went through this hell week. Here's the one who survived. And here's all of the things that they had in common. Like it's a very data driven. And I, it was so interesting to me. But in this book, she was talking about the story she heard about Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett, you know, he, there's a story about him, how he's trying to tell his pilot how it is that he should actually choose his career goals because he feels like he probably has aspirations beyond just flying him around. So he says, okay, so for, here's the first step to figuring out what's important in your career goals. So the first is, um, okay, write down a list of 25 career goals. So 25 things that you want to accomplish over the course of your life. And then second, you do some soul searching and you circle the five highest priority goals. So just five, the highest priority, the ones that mean the most to you. And then third, and most importantly, you take a good hard look at the 20 goals that you did not circle. So those you avoid at all costs because they're what distract you. They eat away time and energy and they take your eye away from the goals that matter more because if they were the ones that you'd circled then they're in theory, the ones that matter the most. So that was something that was really impactful to me when I was putting this together, when I read the book in the first place, because I feel like we have these lists of all the things that we want to do, but sometimes even if something is good and something that you would enjoy if it happened, it can still take your time and energy and focus away from the things that are really important to you. So after going through the masterminds, did anybody actually finish this exercise? Sarah, Megan, Elizabeth, anybody who went through that? And our irresponsible leaders, because none of us actually did it. And 25, that's a lot for me. However, I will say that this exercise is what led me to do the work this week around what do I actually need to be doing? Because I saw that I was doing a lot of good things consistently, but they weren't the things. Mm -hmm. And um, so really internalizing that quote of like, not quote, but that uh, lesson of the other 20 or other 20 things, avoid them at all costs because they're the ones that you're going to want to do that like creep in, that pull you in. Um, I need to avoid those until it's time for those. And, and right now it's, and right now it's not time for them, even though they're fun or when I can find time, maybe I can do them. But that was this, this whole idea, this whole exercise is what made me decide like, Mm, I think I am unfocused. I think I'm doing a lot of good things and not a few really great things. I like that. Oh, so what, you know, what's an example for you guys of something that you thought was really good at the time, but was really taking away attention from something that was in reality, your more important goal. Do you guys have examples of that? If not, I will give more of my personal examples. Um, so there's a couple of things that, that come up for me. So, you know, when, I, when we started Level Up in the first place, for instance, it's a really good example because I was already running other groups. I was in charge of other things. And one of the groups we were running was a 
it was an okay group. It was up in Glendale. It was a young professionals group. And I did a, um, you know, I did a significant amount of business from people who I met in that group, but by the end, by the time I, you know, was at the point where I was just about to start level up, it was getting frustrating because I was the one who was in charge. So, um, the team members who I had started with weren't pulling their weight. They weren't showing up. I felt like I was dragging people when it came to meetings, um, and events and getting people together. And it was something that started to drain my energy more than it filled me up. And so when we started level up, all of a sudden I was like, oh man, like I have partners who are actually working hard and they're excited to show up and they're excited to invite people. And this is something that's actually not only pouring into them, but also pouring into me. And so that one was a no brainer of giving up something, um, you know, mediocre for something really awesome. And that was an obvious choice. I think that's something that, you know, I'm working through in my personal life right now when it comes to my, my business is for the last few years, you know, I spent so much time just building a network, just meeting people. And that was my whole focus, you know, when I got started, because that's what I had to do. I didn't have a very good market. I didn't know very many people. Um, and so I really had to spend time just going out and finding personal business and personal clients and going out. And I went to a million networking events all the time, but now when I look at where I want to go, if my biggest goals or my biggest, you know, focuses in my life are freedom and independence and health, um, the things that I have to be focusing on are so different. You know, what I really want is a business that I have the freedom to be as involved or uninvolved as I want. And I know that's a lofty goal because that's not how everybody's business works, but it is it's possible in what I do. And it's something that I'm working really hard towards. So instead of being out there, like a lot of advisors are, and just really focusing on chasing personal clients or doing educational workshops, although I do those things and they're important to me, focusing my time and energy on building the people who I am training, who I am leading, like that's what gets me to freedom and independence. So if I'm choosing even between those two things, like instead of choosing a, an immediate, Hey, this gets me business right now. I'm going to focus my time and energy on, yeah, but this is building wealth. This is for the long term. This is where the long term of my business and my life is going. So that's where my energy has to be. So making decisions in those directions, like it's, it makes a difference, but it's, it's kind of difficult while you're doing the choosing. So uh, where does this show up for you guys? I'm going to start a drinking game where every time I ask a question, I just start drinking and then until somebody answers, then I get to stop. Not a good idea. She's not a big drinker, guys. She'll be freaking hammered before we know. I'm going to be wasted by the end of this conversation. Level up was one of those. So you stole one of my, my, my examples. One was like, do I, I only have limited time. Do I stay at BNI or do I, I fully commit to level up? Um, was one of the decision points for me and level up was pretty easy to choose. Um, but the other thing was, you know, I, I get so excited about new opportunities and people bring opportunities to me all the time. And I've, I've just really focused on this small business world on this, this whole idea of catapulting people through the terrible times of starting a small business and how hard it is. And, you know, just trying to force your, force your way through, um, 
that uh, every once in a while an opportunity will come across and they'll be like, Megan, you have exactly the resume for us to help this corporate culture, you know, or exactly what we need to, to do this big thing. And um, I fall in love with the people that want to run it. And, and I think I can really help. And I have to constantly be like, nope, like, thank you. But no, I can't do that. I need to stay here. And so that's, I think really benefited me is saying, is this project helping women small business owners? And if I, if I can't say yes to it, it's an easy no. But until I could find that language, until I could figure out like what is the through line for everything that I do, and it's helping women small business owners. Um, and at the very least, helping small business owners. So if I can't, if I can't be there, um, I don't belong. Um, so I, I think for me, finding that language, finding that through line was really helpful. Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to finish up here because we're hitting that 730 mark and I want to make sure everybody has their evenings to themselves, right? We set boundaries and we want to keep them. Um, so just, you know, to finish up the conversation, hopefully this guy was helpful for you. Um, this was one of the first masterminds we did, and this was kind of a product of that, the discussion tonight. So I'm always open for feedback. So as we're putting together content for next month, please let me know if something was helpful or if something was too much for you. If you thought the discussion was something that added to, um, to you or was something that didn't resonate, I'm happy to take all of the, the feedback on that. Um, this next month, we're actually going to start another mastermind and our topic is going to be strengths and weaknesses. So this was something that we went through on the last um, level up as the discussion, but it's something that I really think that we can dive into personally when it comes to our overall theme for the quarter, which is confidence. So we also have the book club and that uh, started this last Thursday, I believe. Um, I wasn't able to be on there, but we're reading The Confidence Code. It's an awesome book, um, super actionable. I think that it's very, very helpful. So definitely hop on that one. So we actually have three mastermind dates in the calendar. Thank you, Megan, for sharing that. They're in the chat right now. Um, I think that the 29th at five, that one's gonna be Miss Megan Johnson. Uh, the fourth at 10, that one is going to be me. So I'm doing your, your daytime mastermind. Um, and then Sarah Flannery is going to take over on uh, August 12th on the 6th or at six. So you guys are going to have actual calendar invites for all of those within the next couple of days here. So stay tuned there, um, you know, for either the masterminds or the monthly discussion, just know the masterminds we're doing in person for those of you who haven't been included so far. Um, we're maxing those out at 10 people. So everybody gets some in-person interaction, but you don't have to feel uncomfortable joining a group. Um, so feel free to, to join us, to bring friends. You know, we're all word of mouth right now when it comes to how we're advertising, how we're telling people about what we're doing. So um, obviously get involved. We love to have you. And uh, I guess other than that, if you guys don't have anything to share except for listen to the podcast, uh, thank you, Megan, for mentioning that. Um, then we'll see everybody next month, but thank you for being a part of the conversation and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast and what we really need is for you to like subscribe, comment, share, and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too. So until the next episode, thanks.